Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, loyal steamers, TK here. Another season of the steam room is in the books, and as Ernie Johnson would say, wasn't it legendary? The boys and I have been off for the summer, but producer Abby Stoltz has been working hard at putting together a greatest hit show for you guys. Season three's guest list included Super Bowl MVPs, Cy Young winners, and Olympic gold medalists, and it peaked with Chuck's prom date. But we start this Best of Steam Room guests episode the same way we started season three, with Wayne Gretzky, the one they call the great one. Or at least that's what we thought. We welcome you back to the Steam Room. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> our first episode of season three. And do you talk about special guests? I was going to pose the philosophical question. When does just an ordinary podcast become a great one? Oh, did you see what I did there, that Chuckster? Was so brutal right there. When the great one joins us in the steam room. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky is here. Man, it's good to see you. Great to have you part of the family. Thank you. And, and here's, look, our only rule on, on the steam room is that you keep your towel on. <laughs> Trust me, I will. <laughs> I want you to know it's so nice of you to introduce me nicely because yeah. Chuck's called me for 20 years, the pretty good one. <laughs> Just so you know. He's the average one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When was the first time you heard yourself described as the great one? Ten. Ten years old. And it was I was so mad. I, I remember reading the article, and the guy who wrote the stories came down to do a story on me. And he said, you know, in hockey, they have Mr. Hockey. They have the Golden Jet. Players of that caliber. And I'm ten years old thinking, how can you compare me to those guys? I'm ten years old, right? And he said, I'm going to name him the great one. And I can remember trying to stop it, my dad trying to stop it, and it continued on. Now, none of my teammates called me the great one ever, <laughs> the good one here, <laughs> told me. I what have did more they call you in the locker room? So I have more nicknames than any probably athlete ever. So in the locker room, I was called Mr. Douglas because... I used to check in under my middle name in all the hotels. So all my teammates thought it was funny. So they call me Mr. Douglas. Mark Messier would always call me Mr. Wonderful, <laughs> which I thought was a cool name. And I was on a plane flight one time from New York to San Francisco. And it was one of those flights where the stewardesses kind of panicked and started running to the back of the plane. And I thought, oh, my God, this is the end. <laughs> and... They came back and I'm like, is everything okay? And she goes, no, no, everything's fine with the plane. I think somebody back there is having a heart attack. And they went running back to the back of the plane. She comes back and I go, is everything okay? She goes, yeah, he's just having some anxiety. He's okay. And she goes, is anybody up here a doctor? 
And so I hit the call button because I'm an honorary doctor. I go, ding. She goes, really? And I go, yeah, and I'm, I'm an honorary doctor. So she goes, she goes, that's not funny. And I said, well, my goodness, I wouldn't have said it if I thought the guy was really in trouble. And so I was telling the guys on the golf course. And so everybody in the golf world calls me Doc. So uh, I, I have too many nicknames, uh, put it that way. Nice move, Mr. Douglas. That's uh, that really smooth. Yeah, Chuckster. I'm going to throw a couple of numbers out okay. because this is pretty amazing. Um, just looking at your career, Wayne. And if you're not a hockey fan, assists and goals, total points. Okay. So you add those up, get your total points. So, so Wayne, our, our, our guest here, Wayne Gretzky, uh, is the NHL's leader in goals, assists, and total points. Yes. Obviously. For now. It's, it's probably going to come for, to an end. For, for now, you say. Yeah. But the, the amazing thing about your assist number mm-hmm. That you had more assists in your career than anybody else has ever had total points. Yeah, and you know what's kind of funny about that is that, you know, I, I grew up and I, I really enjoyed being a playmaker. Yeah. Kind of like Steve Nash did in basketball, right? Right. I played one year of high school basketball. I wasn't good enough to make junior varsity or varsity. I played freshman team. And they called me the biggest ball hog in the history of Because <laughs> all I thing. could see was that net. And I just, <laughs> I would just shoot and shoot. And they would say to me, why can't you see the court and pass like you do in hockey? And I would say, because I just want to score. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. I know. And I, and I didn't make many, but I took the most shots every game. That's tremendous. The least surprising thing that happened in season three was Pedro Martinez being an entertaining storyteller. Listen to Petey tell his account of the Red Sox coming back from three down against the Yankees in the 2004 ALCS. Pedro, welcome. Man, it's good to see you again. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Chuck, it's an honor to be with you too as well. Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer. Except one of them is really small. The other one is really tall. <laughs> I, I was like a fanboy the first time I met Pedro. When you sit back and watch great players, you're like, man, I would like to meet that dude right there. And now I get the pleasure of working in the same building with Pedro. And it's one of the coolest things. When I met him, I was like a fan fanboy. So this is awesome to have you on. Hey, Petey, you know what? You need, to t- you need to teach Chuck something real quick as we get started. The thing that you like to do in the studio, and that is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, where did that come from? Well, um, money was always out of place. In, in Boston. So when, when Manny or Johnny Damon did something great, we had to point it out, but without saying words, because I was so far away from the, from the mound to, to the outfield, I'll just go and take my glove and take my finger and go, yeah, that's approved. You know, you did that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very good. Hey, you know, when I was playing for the 76ers, my first year, we go to play the Boston Celtics. And it was a preseason. And the first four or five preseason games, guys were sitting around playing cards. Guys were telling jokes. Guys were playing music. But we played the Celtics in a preseason game. And I said, what's going on tonight? And they looked at me like, we're playing the Celtics. And I'm like, okay, we're playing. Yeah, I know they're on the schedule. And it was a totally different vibe. Tell me about when you guys play the Yankees. That's the most historic baseball rivalry ever. What's it like, n- number one, regular season, and then playoffs? You know, Chuck, uh, 
for me, I don't know if you noticed, but when I wasn't pitching, I could joke around, try to keep everybody relaxed. But for me, there wasn't anything more serious than my day to pitch. So I pitched with a different attitude, not only because of my background and being mistreated in the minor leagues by uh, the Dodgers organization, didn't believe I could do it. And I, I developed a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. But I also was aware that the Yankees were the best team out there. And there was a rivalry. And not only that, you didn't know, Chuck, I asked to be traded to the Yankees three times. <laughs> and it was like the Dodgers. They refused. They didn't, they didn't want to pull the trigger on me. So uh, every time I, I, w- I was going to face the Yankees, it was like, you were the guys that said no to me. <laughs> you guys are going to try. I think you're going to pay tonight. As much as I could, I was going to try to make them pay. And I wanted the team to be as focused as I was when I went out there because I wasn't out there to make friends and I wasn't there to joke. We had plenty of time to joke in the clubhouse, to do whatever we had to do when I wasn't pitching. But my day to pitch, facing the, facing the Yankees was the most important thing. I didn't care about no girlfriend. I did not pick up the phone for any family member. <laughs> I just wanted to go out there, whether it was the playoffs or regular season. Because you know, Chuck, as a professional, you only know one level to play. And it doesn't matter if it's a preseason game, if it's a regular season game, or postseason play. I wanted to always be at the same level. I wanted to be the best I could possibly be. What was a better scene facing the Yankees in front of your home crowd at Fenway with that kind of support or facing the Yankees at their place with all that hostility? You know, one of the things that I did against the Yankees that really makes me like dream about it was to set a record at their own house when they were chanting, who's your daddy? <laughs> you know, that's, that's a house where they, they would, as soon as they see me, they go, who's your daddy? Even if I go now and sit in the stands, they'll go, hey, Pedro, who's your daddy? <laughs> it, it, it made me so proud to actually stifle the Yankees at Yankee Stadium and send the old stadium down with my record, 17 strikeouts at their own house. I think it was worth every every single struggle I had in my entire career against the Yankees. And also coming back from 0-3 to beating four in a row was like my two dream moments against the Yankees because they were tough on us. They would give us knuckles and they broke our hearts way too many times. They come back, because we always have that argument in the NBA, nobody's ever came I think uh, uh, it's like 165. Or like 143, 144 yeah, yeah. and 0. Yeah. Nobody's ever came back. I've, I've been in that situation before. You knew once y'all got back to Yankee Stadium, y'all were going to win that series, correct? As soon as we packed up and said, we're going back to New York, we're not going back to New York just to, to lose one more game. And and everybody knew, and everybody was aware while we we went after, but there was something you don't, you don't, you don't wake up a sleeping lion. And, and that's what happened. A couple of guys popped up when they saw themselves ahead three games, they said, we're going to sweep them because they, 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 they look like idiots and we're going to send them home like idiots, you know, <laughs> bad hair and all, we're going to send them home like idiots. And uh, we didn't like that coming. You can beat us up, but don't, don't be yapping about it. So we decided that we were going to try to win that ball game. And we were really close to losing it. One strike away. 
and probably two inches from being out at second, Dave Roberts. But we pulled that game. Then we pulled the second one. Then we just said, you know, it's all business now. Now we have the momentum. I don't think we're going to lose anymore. And that's exactly how it was. We would be remiss not to acknowledge the legendary NFL quarterbacks who wandered into the steam room this season. Before he retired and unretired, seven-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady dropped in to tell a story about his infamous NFL draft experience. Take me back to draft night in 2000 and your pick 199. What stands out about that night? What are the memories of that night? And how did that night make you the player and the person you are now? Yeah, I think it's a lot of those little things that happened over the course of time. That was a big thing at that moment because I thought, man, I'm pretty good, man. I went to Michigan. We were good. I'm going to be a <laughs> first, second, third round pick, you know? And uh, they didn't see it that same way. So I think the, the, the rounds kind of kept going. And it's very different. The NFL draft in 2000 now. Now everything, you know, is pomp and circumstance. You know, by the time... I think it was Sunday afternoon comes. That's when they started announcing picks in the sixth round. And I was just sitting there going, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to pick. Anyone's going to pick me at this point. I thought I had a pretty good college career. And then, you know, ultimately when I got picked by the Patriots, it was the best possible place for me to go. When I reflect back on that time with perspective, coach Belichick, it was his first year there. It was his opportunity to become a head coach again. And, and I went into a situation with Drew Bledsoe, who was a great veteran pro quarterback who was playing at a high level. And I got, I got a chance to sit there and learn from him. And there was a new system. There was a lot of newness for everybody. So everyone was kind of learning the same things at the same time. And I think I really embraced that opportunity to compete. And I said to uh, Mr. Kraft, and the story is kind of well told. He always says, I told him when I first met him, hey, I'm Tom Brady. I'm the greatest decision uh, you know, the organization never made. I never said that. I'm sure I would never even come out of my mouth. I said, you'll never regret picking me. And, uh, I just meant, look, you know, whatever you invest in me, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that, you know, it pays off for you. And, you know, I believe it did, you know, it's, it's, uh, we had a great 20 years together and, um, 20 great years for me to learn and really grow up personally and professionally. And I look back at that time and it was some magical moments in my life. Well, that worked out pretty well for TB12. It also worked out for this guy, Omaha, Omaha, Peyton Manning. In the big picture, what do you remember more, the wins or the losses? Oh, I think you remember the losses, uh, Ernie. And why is that? Because everybody, every athlete I ever talked to always remembers the losses more than the wins. There's a reason why. So what's the reason? I mean, for me, it's because you sort of expect to win and you're kind of surprised when you don't. And when you don't, it, it, it sticks with you longer. And you know, there's an old saying, Jimmy Connors uh, said that, uh, that he hated to lose more than he liked to win. He hated to see the happiness on their faces when they beat him. And I would kind of fall into that, but I hated having to go and shake hands and say, good game. After we just lost this game, you do it. It's the right thing to do, but it, it's not fun. Uh, when you win, unfortunately, you kind of take it for granted and say, yeah, yeah, we were supposed to. Of course, the media kind of says you were supposed to win. So my advice to anybody is don't ever take winning for granted, right? Enjoy those victories. Every single win in the regular season in football is hard to come by, Ernie. It's hard to win. Enjoy those. And the losses, 
try not to make them as devastating as I did because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was pretty miserable after a loss. I'm jealous of the NBA and Major League Baseball. You lose a game, you're playing the next night, right? And you can get that bad taste out of your mouth. In the NFL, you lose on Sunday, you got to wait seven days. God forbid you got a bye week. Now we got to wait 14 (laughs) days. That is the absolute worst. And so it's probably not the right approach to do it, but that's kind of how I approached it. And, uh, you know, luckily uh, we did win more than we lost. Hey, uh, Peyton, we want to, we want to throw a clip at you and just get your your reaction to it because obviously you made Omaha famous uh, and and people heard you barking that out at the line for forever and ever. Uh, The other day, um, Josh Allen, who we've already spoken of yeah. on this podcast, um, came up with this at the line. Shaquille O'Neal! 25, right? Shaquille O'Neal. That's going to be a big one. <laughs> so, Allen. Incomplete. I love it. See there? That's exactly what I think of Shaquille O'Neal right there. That's a perfect <laughs> example of Shaquille O'Neal play right there. So, so take me, take me into that. Where does that come from, Peyton? Uh, NFL offenses are doing a great job uh, of giving players some ownership in the terminology, Ernie. You know, the coach comes in, puts a play in, he's got some concept. I, I mean, my guess is they, uh, they probably asked Josh Allen, hey, what do you want to call this play? And, you know, maybe it's like, hey, we got three guys over here. We got two here. It's it's a deep pass play with a short. So we got a three and a two. Who's number 32? Shaquille O'Neal. That's a guess. A lot of teams have L words or run plays to the left, R words to the right. Uh, You know, Charles Barkley has an R and an L in both of them. So you could say that and really confuse the defense. So, but I do think it's fun for players to have some ownership and in naming the plays, it helps you remember them a lot better when you actually name the play. So Omaha was yours? Omaha, believe it or not, had been around for a long time. Brady used to say Omaha. Eli used to say Omaha. But but when I got to Denver, it's right when they turned those NFL sideline microphones up louder. We were calling a lot of audibles. Omaha was a word that you called when you kind of changed the play and the ball was going to be snapped right away at the last minute. And so we were doing that a lot. So I was saying it all the time. You could hear it on those mics. So it kind of got attributed to me. But Omaha has been around for a long time. We all know that the Bills Chiefs divisional playoff game was one of the best games of all time. What we didn't know until he told us is what Josh Allen did right before the game. I hope you're not having lunch right now. I should alert all of our loyal steamers who are listening today that this might be an uncomfortable part of the podcast today. Uh-oh. Because you know another one of his game day rituals or routines? No. He throws up before every game. This is true, right, Josh? It is. Is this voluntary or involuntary? Sometimes I do. I have to do it. Sometimes, it, no, it, it literally, as I'm talking through pregame. So throughout even my college career, I never threw up, but I would have like this weird dry heave on the sidelines and I couldn't get rid of it. I would cramp up, I'd dry heave. I don't know if it's like a subconscious anxiety or something, but I don't feel it anywhere else other than like once I go in for pregame, after our pregame warm-up, I go in and I'm, everybody's sitting there. I go straight into the bathroom, let the demons out. Guys will come come watch and cheer me on, you know, and then <laughs> take my caffeine and get ready for the game. And uh, 
go out there. And then I don't have that weird feeling of dry even on the sidelines anymore. But every once in a while on the sidelines, I'll be sitting there talking and I sit right by the trash can. I just got to get up and uh, let some demons out there too. It's no secret that producer Michael Kaplan and his team like to pull one over on the Chuckster. And this season was no different after Chuck made the mistake of mentioning his first date ever. Friend of the show, our friend Rex Chapman, oh, yeah. you know, posed this last night. It's a little game he wanted people to play. And he asked folks to tell me something about you, which is true, but is so outrageous, it sounds like a lie. I went on one date in high school. Who was the lucky girl? Amy Shorter. A nice girl. <laughs> Amy Shorter. Had pity on the Chuckster. <laughs> went to my senior prom. Where is Amy Shorter now? Uh, she's still in Leeds. I bump into her. She's a sweet little lady. Well, she's not uh, young anymore. <laughs> None of us are young anymore. But she was great. Her brother's name was Will. He was one of my uh, teammates. Probably don't need to pursue that. Yeah, that that that, that was that <laughs> anymore. Was, no, that's that's probably right, enough you know, for that. Y'all leave Amy alone. She's I, a sweet lady. We're not, uh, we're not. We are leaving Amy her alone. alone. <laughs> uh, we we are. just don't want you to go to another level with this. <laughs> Cap somehow found the legendary Amy Shorter from good old Leeds, Alabama, and surprised Charles. Wait a minute, excuse me, Wade Barkley. Hey, you know, we have a lot of guests on the steam room. Many of them fall into the special guest category. Uh-oh. As this one does. But this one also falls under the surprise guest category. Does this make you nervous? It does oh, make me nervous. Um, and I would say this person was very influential in your life. Uh-oh. As you went from Leeds, Alabama to the NBA. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you our special surprise guest initials. A.S. A.S. This is Auburn or high school? I'm not going to give you any more hints. All I'm going to do is welcome our surprise guest, your first date in high school. <laughs> Amy Shorter. Amy Shorter <laughs> is on the steam room, joining us on the phone, Amy. Chuckster. Hello, how are you doing today? Now, what a nice surprise. Hey, hey, you know what? Obviously, I've known Amy a long time. Her and her family, they're just awesome leads people. Hey, girl, thank you for being on the steam room. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. I was shocked when Michael called me last week. <laughs> yeah, it's Michael Kaplan, our producer. And and so, Amy, how did Chuckster ask you out? It was something that we had planned earlier in the year, but then he broke my heart. Amy, we need the details. <laughs> don't you interrupt, Chuckster. Okay, Amy's got the floor. So don't give him up. Okay, okay. <laughs> but anyway, we, we planned to go and we went, and we had a very nice time. We went to, was it Shoney's or somewhere to eat? Oh, yeah. So we had a really good time. I was then only in the 10th grade, so I couldn't stay out there late. You were in the 10th grade, Chuckster. Were you a senior? I was a senior, yes. Okay, and okay, so you went to Shoney's. Yeah, all the kids get together and go to Shoney's. I had a great time. She was awesome. You know, I played with her brother. Her brother played football and basketball. And what's Will. his name? Will. Okay. And I was kind of 
always attracted to Amy. And, you know, it's kind of when you got a teammate, relatives are off limits. So yeah. <laughs> it was a very shaky dynamic going on there. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I was looking at her. I was like, yeah, but Will's my teammate. Amy, what do you remember most about that first date with the... Uh... Charles Barkley or or Wade Wade, Wade I guess hey, is can what, I tell you something well, funny about, can, will no, you let no, our no, guests no, talk no, no, for I a wanna, second I want to tell you something about the name thing okay I had never been called Charles until I went to college it was always your middle name Wade even to this day everybody in my hometown calls me Wade mm-hmm. I had never been called Charles until I went to college okay so what was your first date with <laughs> Wade like Amy it was fun. We had a good time. He, he keeps you laughing. He's, he was, he's just an outstanding guy. One thing I can always say about Wade, he never changed. His, his fame, fortune, nothing ever changed him. He's the same all the time, and that's what I love about him. He's just, he's just Wade. How many dates were there, Amy? Well, they say him and his mom always said it was just one. He probably don't remember. But, see, I wasn't old enough to, to really date date. So my sister and my brother took us to the movies one time. I can't remember what movie it was, but I, I thought it was Fatal Attraction, but it wasn't Fatal Attraction. It was something else. But he probably don't remember that. Well, well the Fatal Attraction was for Veronica Hughes, but that's another story for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't make fun of people, but I had to do that. No, but, you know, the thing was, she was so awesome to me. And then I just went away to college. But it was really good for me because that was the first time I'd ever been on a date. So that's always going to make her special in my eyes. <laughs> and it, it it brings back such great memories. Yeah. Because, I mean, your first date, the first girl you like. And I told you, I really had a hard time in the beginning because I don't know how you approach a teammate about going out with a sister. Because I've been, I've been. What, what, did you did you ask? Well, I, no. Did you I, ask I, Will I, if if you could take his sister out? I I said, Will, I got something I need to talk to you about. Yes, I did, because <laughs> you just can't show up at uh, some dude's houses. Hey, what you doing here? Well, I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm here to see your sister. No, you have to, you, you do have to ask for, like, I just wanted to warn him in advance. Was there some resistance on Will's part to you taking his sister out? No, Will was great. Ernie, I know this is going to come weird to you. Weird. <laughs> At that time, I was really reserved and quiet. Amy, mm-hmm. is this true? It's true. It's true. Is that the way you... Remember things? Remember your relationship with Wade? Or was there anything that that maybe was a stumbling block in your budding relationship? Listen, this is not TMZ. TMZ just told a lie. (laughs) No, the truth of the matter is, I probably should have stuck with Amy. But (laughs) there was this one girl at our high school. Who was it, Amy? I mentioned her name. Okay. And... She was the homecoming queen, and every guy wanted her at our high school. And what people don't remember, Ernie, I was not recruited because I was 5'10", and I grew from 5'10 to 6'5 in one year. So I went from being a nobody to somebody. So I became really popular 
Amy Ashley was with me when I wasn't popular, which is why I should have stuck with her probably. (laughs) (laughs) But then when I became popular, this one girl started paying me attention. Mm-hmm. And that was a mistake on my part. There, we're getting a lot of mm-hmm. no oh, on yeah, that oh, other it, end of the phone. Oh, hey, Amy, I need a little more detail no, now this, that, than that, just that, that knowing. No, mm-hmm. no that, that was this girl. Her name was Veronica Hughes. And she was the most popular girl at high school, probably. And I'm like, man, the homecoming queen want to go out with Charles. And I got caught up in it. And I was wrong. When he starts paying attention to Veronica, what is your reaction? Uh, I wasn't happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a mistake on Chuck's part, Ernie. And what and what did you say to him? Well, I mean, I let him know that I was hurt about it. I mean, what can you do when people do you like that? What What did you do? Because I was kind of quiet at that time too. I wasn't very boastful. He was my first. Well, I, I call, quote, unquote, he was my first boyfriend. So, you know, I didn't know what to do. Yeah, so did your brother have to intervene at all? I'll tell you this little story, but I don't know exactly what happened. To this day, I don't know exactly what happened. But one day, I was in a class, and they came, somebody came running to me and telling me that Charles and Will was in the library fighting. So I ran up there. And by that time, the fight was broke up. I never found out what happened. I don't know if it was about me or it was about something else. And I bet you Charles don't even remember. Oh, come on, Chuck. Well, I remember the fight. Now, obviously, I remember. You remember every fight you've ever been in. Hey, <laughs> er, Ernie, I was wrong. Like, <laughs> what, what, well, when, why no, did the fight happen? Because, I, because listen, I, I lost my mind over Veronica. So what did Will say to you? Will got pissed because I heard his sister. And we had a, it, it was a little girly fight. It wasn't a real fight. We wouldn't go. It. It, yeah, it was just a little push and shove and a, little, a couple of, yeah. you know, it was a high school fight. That was great. Moving on to another character from Chuck's personal life. There is a single name that the Chuckster has mentioned on the podcast more than any other. And it's not even close. If it's free, it's for me. You know that. Uh, it's my boy Royce. If it's free, it's for me. Yeah. Give, me give me three. All my other friends work, but I always got freeloading Roy. He can play. Strange that Roy Green would get, well, now three mentions in the first segment. But, I just uh, want, I like just jabbing him a little bit. Let's dispel this, this rumor right now, Chuckster, that people call you and say, put in the good work for me, and they get a job. It's, it's never happened that way. So good luck to anybody who's hitting up the Chuckster. The great Roy Green's been waiting for a job for decades. Oh, <laughs> you get off Roy Green. Well done. I'm on point with my driving. I'm killing the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, like one of the worst people I play with is Roy Green. He's just an awful person. How come Roy Green gets a mention every time we do this? Because he gets so mad when I talk bad about him, and I got to keep doing but it. But it's rare, it's rare that you talk bad about him. It's usually in glowing terms. No. When he then, does that with the big then, he, got, he got those big lips. He does this with his eyebrows. And he licked those big soup coolers. <laughs> That's where I agree. You think he's sexy, too. Like, oh, it just made me want to puke. Surprising Charles with his golfing buddy, Roy Green, was a revealing glimpse into what it's like to talk trash with the Chuckster on the links. We encourage all of our guests, and not just encourage, we demand that every <laughs> guest keep their towel on. I like that. Especially when it's uh, one of Chuckster's best friends who's our special guest on the steam room. 
Yes, you guessed it. Roy Green joins us in the steam room. This is as low as it can go. Oh, no, this is as good as it gets. (laughs) Let me pick these ratings up off the phone. Uh, Off the floor. floor. (laughs) Roy Green, how are you? I'm great, Arnie. But first and foremost, let me speak slowly, (laughs) distinctly, and clearly. So, Charles, you will understand, I can't wait to kick your ass. In in what way? Uh, verbally here on the steam room or or your next time you guys get together on the golf course? We're both. Okay, of course, good. Both. both are fair game. I will say this. Roy is probably the most competitive, uh, you know, Michael, Tiger guys who I know are personally uh, who are great competitors. Roy Green is one of the best competitors I've ever been around. He's got the worst golf swing. Ho, 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 ho. Yes. Roy, Roy, Roy. Thanks, Arnie. You and Charles play a lot together. Uh, How can he be describing your golf swing? I mean, I know his is better now, but I've seen it at its worst. At your worst, it was never like Chuck's swing, right? Well, you know, I've been in a slump for sure. (laughs) As you said, nothing likes Chucky's slump. And there's no way. I don't care who beats me. I don't care. He's never going to beat me. I'm not going to let him beat me. Until I beat you seven days in a row, I'm not going to sleep comfortable at night. You know what? You will never sleep. (laughs) Seven in a row? Are you kidding me? Seven in a row. Never. Never, ever do I need to speak slowly and distinctly. If you close your eyes on the golf course with him, you'll think you're playing with <laughs> Tiger Woods. Because the way he's the, he's the most – like, if you just close your eyes, you're like, I'm playing with Tiger again. And then you open your eyes and like, oh, it's just, it's just Roy talking. Yeah. I wish I was overconfident than you were. Yeah. <laughs> you're the most overconfident uh, I've ever heard of. Roy has beaten me. The last two times we played, because I won the time before that. And he beat me the last two times, and he sends me texts, just reminding me. I'll be sitting at home out of my own business, or he'll call me and say, you remember what happened today, don't you? And I get so pissed, and I have to listen to it. So, Roy, you actually, we've been friends for so long. You have been on this golfing journey with me. Oh, yeah. When I used to could play... And then all hell broke loose. <laughs> and <laughs> all hell broke loose. I mean, seriously, you have been with me when I first got to Phoenix in 92, and I could really play pretty good. Yes. And then I lost it. And I lost it for 20, probably 20 years or more. And now that I'm on the trail back, at least admit on the podcast, you got to really get ready for me now. <laughs> It is sad, very sad for me to say, Chucky has turned around. Yeah. He is hitting some great, I mean, some great shots. I've seen some unbelievable things uh, with this uh, golf, us playing. And over the last month, I could not believe it. I'm like, if your guy that works with you isn't coaching <laughs> Of the year for the golf coaches. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm I'm never gonna talk to anybody else because it, it, it's it's just unbelievable. I've seen him uh putt for Eagles, uh, I've seen him hit drivers over 340 yards. Say it again, and that's not a joke. I've seen him 
hit over 340 yards on the driver. I'm like, wow. So I have to really get ready when I'm going to go with Chucky. But I have that secret. I just talked to him a couple of times. <laughs> Good luck trying to get a word in edgewise playing with these two. Hope you've enjoyed this nostalgia tour of some of the famous guests from season three. We are already looking forward to season four. Before I sign off, we'll leave you with this. Ernie's favorite Peloton instructor, Alex Toussaint, motivating Chuck to get back on the Chuck cycle 5,000. We've got a little something that you might find amusing. You know, we talked about Chuck having a Peloton but not using it. In the studio, early on when, when Chuckster began at, at uh, the NBA on TNT, we tried to get him back in shape uh, as he was trying to lose weight to get back to his, his playing weight. And we unveiled at that point the Chuck Cycle 5000. Oh, Lord. And, and we happen to have uh, the Chuck Cycle 5000 has been brought here into our tiny steam room studio and it has got everything you could possibly want wow. in an exercise <laughs> machine the chuck cycle 5000 and look at that the dangling twinkie the in twinkie? Front. that's that's the goal that he's going for uh, <laughs> who who came up with this contraction exactly. <laughs> hey that's a great way to explain it it's a contraption uh, loaded with twinkies it's loaded with twinkies and chuck actually rode that thing i did ride that thing does it does, does it still work uh, Come on, Chuck. Does uh, it still we, work? Oh, we, yeah, go ahead. Oh, let's see. Yeah. Chuck, all those Twinkies are expired. I'm going to let you know right now. All those hey, Twinkies hey, are hey, expired. Alex, <laughs> hey, nothing can kill a Twinkie. Let's get that out the way. <laughs> oh, he's moving. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Chuck, if that, thing, if that thing can hold you down right there, you have no excuse to get on your Peloton. I'm going tell you right now. You're absolutely <laughs> right. You are absolutely right. So, hey, I just hope these ain't the same Twinkies from like 10 years I, ago. I have a feeling they are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's it, loyal steamers. Feel free to go check all of our incredible guests from this season wherever you get your podcasts. See you soon.